There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irvin Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Edit audio. So when my mom died, if I'm being honest, it was expected, right? She was a drinker. She took pills. She was a hardcore smoker. Oh, and when I was a kid, she was also very fond of telling me that she wasn't going to live to be an old lady, which, I mean, who says that to a nine-year-old, by the way? Well, of course, my mom, Rosie, does. I really feel like it explains a lot. I say all that to say it was easier or easy-ish to process when she died, but my dad had all kinds of longevity in his family. I'm talking about grandmas and great-grandmas making kick-ass mac and cheese into their late 90s. I mean, in the Hopkins family, 90 was like the new 70. Yo. Yeah, no, I, I shouldn't say that. It's fine. So one day, long after my mom had passed, I got a call from my stepmom, and she told me that my dad was sick, and he had six months left to live. It was just beyond shocking. And when he died... Both my parents were gone, and I felt untethered. I no longer had parents. I no longer had people in the world who could tell me what a little asshole I was as a kid. And I felt alone. And I remember many months after his death, I sat in a therapist's office, and I was wondering why I still felt so sad. And I can remember thinking, like, when am I going to feel like myself again? Hello, folks. I'm Robin Hopkins, and this is Well Adjusting, where I talk to people about life stuff, but you know, not in an NPR way, more like a we're at the bar, we're having cocktails, and I am getting into your business sort of way. Oh, we love a cocktail. Oh, and producer Steph is here too. Oh, yeah. Hi, that's me. Today we chat, well, does grief ever end? Oh, and I must say, we laugh at our dead parents, but it's okay because it's what they would have wanted. So, wow. Okay, this episode is definitely heavier. I mean, we're talking about death and loss and grieving. But you you guys, you know me, right? At this point, I'm not going to have that kind of a talk without some levity and some laughter. I mean, like, life is too short, folks. Literally. So today's guest is Serena. She's, you know, 20-something. And, she's, and, and she's my cousin. Oh, yes. She is related to producer Steph, and we love her. And on a side note, I must say, producer Steph, she has the smoothest radio voice ever and should be on air. Anyway, she's been through a very serious life event. Her mom died when she was 16, but it wasn't just that. She learned about her mom's cancer at the age of 10, so she spent just a huge portion of her childhood waiting, wondering if, or really, when, the other shoe was going to drop. So now, she's celebrating major milestones in her life, but she's still feeling this loss, and it's leaving her questioning, like, does grief ever recede? Does it ever get easier? And I don't know, I feel like let's let's have this chat and let's find out if it does. 
I'm Serena. I'm 23, a Virgo, living in Toronto. I just finished a master's degree in education, which is pretty exciting and something that I've been thinking a lot about. And I work in higher education and adult education currently at a hospital in the city. Wow. You're like a smarty pants. I'm like a secret smarty pants. You know, it's funny is when asked to introduce myself, I usually say, I'm Robin. I'm a Leo. I was born a small (laughs) white baby in upstate New York. And I usually start with that. So I feel like we're kindred spirits. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I have a lot of Leo in my chart, so maybe that's why. Okay. I have no Virgo that I know of. Interesting. Interesting. But I am bossy and controlling. Oh, me too. Me too. Uh, So when I was really young, I think in 2008, my mom was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer and so got very sick and was very sick for most of my life because I was born in 1998. So I was 10 years old when I found out. And when uh, I was 16, um, she lost her life. Um, And so I lost my mom at a pretty young age, especially as like a young like just post pubescent girl, um, losing your mom is a little bit jarring to say the least. Um, I felt very lost and I, I think I still do feel very lost. I knew that my mom probably wouldn't, you know, make it super long after she got diagnosed, but she made it longer than most people would and gave us a lot of hope when she was still around. And then when she passed away, it was very overwhelming. Even though you're prepared for it, sort of, it was super, super hard. But now I'm 23, still no mom. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't come back? No. That would have been a really nice twist on Could the story, imagine? by the way. All the sadness would have just like completely gone away if you had said that. But exactly. By the way, my mom's still dead, too, if that makes okay. you feel any better. Oh, that does. Dead, it really does. Still dead. Still dead. Okay. Love. Still dead. Don't love. I mean, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) See, this is the thing. I'm so glad that you're laughing because I always say my mom knew funny. My dad, too. They're both dead. No, we're on the we're on the dead parents. And I think, I don't know, God or whoever's out there gave me sense of humor. They would want me to joke about it. Yeah. Right. Because otherwise, what am I supposed to just walk through life crying? Yeah, no, I think my mom would have liked me joking. I don't know. Maybe she's rolling around in there. I, who knows? <laughs> I joke that she's not six feet under. She's six feet up because she's like in a wall in a mausoleum. So, <laughs> so bad. Anyways, the question that I came to Robin with was, does it get better? Does this sense of grief um I know that it'll never leave, but does it get easier to cope with? Does it get easier to manage? Does it get easier to deal with? Because at 23, it's been 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. <laughs> it's been like seven years, and it's worse than it's ever have been. Yeah. Like, especially finishing so many milestones. Like I said, I just finished my master's degree, and I thought I would be so excited, so stoked, super happy. I've started a new big girl job, as I call it, and <laughs> I literally have never been sadder. So I was, like, super excited for all this change and all this stuff to happen. But once it gets here, it's like, fuck. Because it's like someone's not there to see it. Yeah. Someone's super, super important. Yeah. And I think we have to really set this up for the people who are listening. Like, I'm not a therapist, so I'm not going to be able to tell you. I can tell you mm-hmm. from my own personal experience that I'll let you know when I know if it gets better. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> As you're bringing all this up, I just have like a million and one questions. Did you even have an, a, a comprehension when you first knew what it would mean and, and what it could mean? I mean, we all, I think anytime you hear stage four, you go, oh, fuck. But like you were 10. Did you mm. understand that? And was it talked about in your house? Yeah. 
I don't remember it being talked about what it meant. I will be honest, it was, first of all, like really, really long ago, like 13 years ago. So I don't remember very much. Um, and also it's, it was like super traumatic. So I think that's also why I don't remember a lot. Um, but I remember being told that and thinking to myself that it was my fault. Really? I previously oh, no. thought, like, I knew my mom was going for a lot of appointments. And then at that age, you start learning about cancer because people's grandparents and things like that. So, like, you know it exists. So I was like, mm -hmm. mom has cancer. She's dying. Like, I literally guessed it in my own head, like, a week before, a couple of days before. And then my parents sent me down in the backyard and told me. Like, I thought I manifested it. I thought it was my fault. And so there's still, like, a really weird amount of guilt and it makes no sense because obviously that's not true. For feeling like you manifested Yeah, because I think I made, yeah. like, I thought that I made it up as a kid. And, you know, that doesn't really leave, which is super weird. But anyways, it was never really, maybe it was talked about. I don't remember super well. Well, about that point, like, I had the most amazing therapist. And I believe she's going to give us some little hot tips at that, which, I mean, I feel like hot tips is not <laughs> the right thing to say when we're talking about grief. Let's just Cold find a better tips. phrase for it. Yeah. <laughs> Some dead tips. <laughs> some dead hot tips. Um, wait, so we're like, too soon? No. No. Um, she's gonna she's gonna give us some some thoughts about this. But you know, I remember her saying at one point, you know, because the theme of this podcast is that I came from a really crappy childhood. And she said, when you were a kid, you can't make your parents wrong because they hold the foundation of everything. Like mm. they are the ones holding it together. And if you were to think they were bad or wrong, you would feel unsafe. So as a kid, there's this like coping mechanism where you take it on and you blame yourself. It seems like that really applies here. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me because... Because it's probably just too real, too much to even yeah. think about. And I just remember not really understanding at all what it really meant at all until probably I was in like high school. Because like what had happened was she had surgery basically like a half of her lung was taken out of her body and so it was fine for a couple of years and then she got diagnosed later on with brain cancer and i probably was in like high school maybe or in grade eight or something and i think you start to really understand like the gravity of the situation i think because you can you started to be able to like visibly see it like the signs that she wasn't doing well and then Closer right, to right. her death, it was kind of dramatic. She really wasn't yeah. well at all. That's so much. I mean, you're in eighth grade. Like, my daughter's about to go in eighth grade, and I just can't even imagine what that would put on her. And your life's irrevocably changed. Yeah, completely. At that moment. Yeah, completely. I got to this point where we didn't think she would watch me graduate from eighth grade to right. ninth grade, but she made it there. And then all of a sudden, she's sick again. So it's like, oh, I thought this was over. Yeah. So you're just like re-traumatized. Well, and I, and I keep going back to this thing. Are you guys talking about this? It's like conversation happening or not? I don't remember. I don't really think so. I don't ever remember having conversations about like, so when you know, mom dies, this is what's going to happen. Like, we never really had that conversation right, until right. the very end. Like, you could see, but I, no one told me I was 16. Like, how was I supposed to know? I left for 10 days to go to Italy right before she passed away. You know, but in, in fairness to you, because it sounds to me like you're about to blame yourself. No. Like, okay, 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 good. Okay, because I was like, don't, because you're like 16 and like, you've been living with this for six years. Exactly. And so I thought- I mean, at any day could be the day. That's exactly the point. And like, I thought that things would get better because they did twice three times they got better right. three different times so why would this time be different so i went on right. a school trip for 10 days went to italy with like my peers from high school had a great time came back my mom was in a hospice couldn't speak couldn't talk mm. couldn't move no longer 
really with us at all. And so yeah, I didn't really, like, you don't get to say goodbye, really. Yeah. And that's incredibly difficult. Yeah. If I knew that was what was going to happen, I probably wouldn't have gone. Right. It, it was so interesting. When my dad died, we had to put him in hospice, and we weren't sure he was going to go willingly. And we had to tell him, oh, no, you're just going to, like, a hotel. Like, we made up this whole shenanigans about where we were taking him. And then when I left, because he lived in North Carolina and I was in New York and I flew out, I said goodbye and I said, I'll see you soon. I'm going to be back. And I was you know, trying not to cry or whatever. And he died before I could make it back. But I was really fortunate, one, that I was significantly older than you. And two, I had like the doctor. He had this incredible doctor who I, you know, I started sobbing and said, I didn't, I didn't get to say goodbye. And he said, you were there when it mattered. And he knows that you were there. He wasn't in a place where he would have been able to hear anything more than he already heard. And I had a medium, Teresa Caputo, like randomly come to where I was working and my dad showed up and she pulled me aside and she said, you feel like you didn't get to say goodbye. And he knows you said, and I was just, and I, was, I didn't say anything. I was just sobbing. So I feel like I've been so lucky to have a professional and a professional psychic tell me that my dad was like, yeah. say goodbye. But that's a lot to process at your age. And do we need to get you to Teresa Caputo? Do we need I that? Would, I would shit my pants and die. Sorry for my language, oh my but that would be absolutely Please. bonkers. I did see a medium once. She kind of said the same thing. Like, she's with you. She watches you. She knows that you feel bad, but don't feel bad. She's happy that you went on the trip. She knew that you needed to go. And I think a lot of people think mediums or whatever are hooey. I don't care. Like, I've got this psychic lady that I go to that's not Teresa Caputo that's amazing. And my mom shows up on the regular. I mean, I've only seen her three times. But the first time, I got all the healing I needed. And if that made me feel better, I don't give a crap if that lady made every word of it up. It made me feel better and, like, I healed something with my mother. That's exactly it. That's how I feel about a lot of things is, like, I don't care if it doesn't have scientific background like if it helps me manage my emotions then i don't see you know a problem with it it makes you feel like you're communicating with someone that you need to communicate with if that makes sense yeah when you initially answered the question you said you haven't processed it but what i know of grief is that you're processing it over and over and over and over and over again over time it's much like forgiveness. I worked with this amazing group who would say, first of all, you're forgiving somebody for you so that you can move on. But you might need to forgive a person repeatedly to get to a good space. And I feel the same way about grief. Mm. Like it, it comes in waves and then the waves get further apart and maybe smaller. But then out of nowhere, like oh, my kid will do something and I'll start sobbing and think, oh, I wish my mom could see that. or I wish my dad was here to see my son be such a little turd. Like, he would have thought that was hilarious. Yeah. So it does, to me, seem like you're processing some. Yeah, I think so. It's like one of those things where you take two steps forward and then, like, three steps back and then five steps forward and then a step back. Like, it's, you know, it's very— It's not linear, Yeah, exactly. Right? No, not at all. It's very ebby and flowy. Oh, I love that. It's <laughs> ebby and flowy. Ebby and flowy. I feel like we need T-shirts I'm that are, that are bedazzled. Oh, my God. I have a T-shirt idea. Let me know if you want one. It's, okay. Uh, it says, uh, my mom died and all I got was this lousy T-shirt. <gasps> yes, please. Perfect. I'll order us some. And Okay. So I, because my mom had a T-shirt thing, she would always have T-shirts made like with disco decals. And she had one that she wore regularly that said twat. <laughs> <laughs> Not even kidding. And by the way, if that doesn't explain me in a nutshell, I don't know what is. She also had one 
that like there was like where in the hell is Homer New York and then she would send me to school in it and it was like five times too big for me and I'd wear it to school and I would get sent home and she was just like and she'd be like smoking she'd be like Ugh, those teachers like she did she just like didn't give a fuck oh that's incredible but I'm in on your dead t-shirt I'm in on it cool I'll order us a couple you know I'm I'm struck by you saying that you just have all these wonderful accomplishments and I'm already proud of you for what you've been through and you just, you kept moving, right? And so it makes sense to me that you would feel this way. There's an aloneness that can happen. You're tethered to your parents. You know, like when my dad died, it was my second parent. I felt like an orphan, even though I had a sister, but I was just like, part of your family leaves, your history and their ability to see you going forward. So what are the echoes of it in your life and what do you want it to be? Right now, I'm having a problem where I feel like, I don't know if it's jealousy, but like, for example, my partner's family and their his parents, incredible human beings. They treat their kids like gold. Like, they're just such a lovely family. His mom is so lovely. And on my first day of work, she texted me like, good luck on your first day. And I just was like, oh, so sweet. Initially, I was like, I'm so jealous. I know that they treat me like family and that they're my chosen family. But like, why can't I have that? And so I think healing looks like getting over that jealousy feeling and kind of accepting the love, but the kindness that's brought to me as opposed to being like bitter about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm so bitter sometimes. And I think a lot of it stems from, you know, losing my mom. If I can get to a point where I don't know if it's through therapy, if it's through self-reflection, who knows? I eat, pray, love my way through life. Who knows what it looks like? I don't know what the actual actions look like because I've tried therapy and I've struggled with it and I never really liked it. Yeah, I know that the grief will never get like easier and I know deep down that I'll always be sad about it because of course you are. Yeah. But if I could be less bitter or if I could be less like, why me? Or if I could be less... I wish that was me, and I wish I had that. That would be sick. That would be pretty pretty cool. What I am hearing from you is, like, you want it to have a place in your life. Mm -hmm. Like, it becomes a part of the fabric of who you are, yet you can still experience love, and it it doesn't stop you. I'm picturing, I have this weird vision of, like, a a crocheted vest. Like, you're wearing a crocheted vest, and it's a patchwork quilty thing. And one of those things is your mom. And then the one of those things is like her death. And it's just a part of of who you are and you carry it with you, but it doesn't define you. It's just one piece of the quilt. Hmm, that's And I don't know why this vest has to be a quilt or why it has to be a vest, but it is how I saw you. I love a crocheted quilt. Why not? Right? Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Um, Except the holes. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't keep you that warm, but it's it's a nice foot And then blanket. you get stuck on it, but that's fine. Um yeah, that's how I see it, too. Like, because I, for the longest time, I couldn't talk about it. Like, if I were to have this conversation even, like, two years ago, I think I would be ugly crying on the floor already, shaking back and forth. Whereas, like, now I can really, like, talk about it. Well, so it's maybe time. Time is yeah. everything, right? Exactly. So maybe that's a sign I should go back and call my therapist, Lisa. Lisa, if you're listening, I miss you. Lisa, <laughs> give her a ringy-dingy. Yeah, a little email. You know what's funny is, I have said this before, is that when it's time for me to go back to therapy... I find myself walking around the city thinking, I wonder what Patricia's doing. Like, or like, I wonder, I wonder if I'll bump into Patricia. I'm in her neighborhood. And that was weird that I know my therapist's neighborhood, but it's fine. I'm not, I'm not freaky. It's, it's normal. It's totally normal to know where your therapist lives and works. 100%. I think if you listen, your gut tells you what's next. You may not like the answer and you might not want to do it, but 
in the same way that I approach therapy, if I have a thing that I don't want to say, I say to myself, you got to say it. You got to say it. Like I make myself say that thing. Sometimes I wait till the last five minutes, but I say the thing because it's like, I know I need the help. Yeah. And so like, maybe, you know, that's now it's time for that. I know that it is because I'm at this, like I said, I've hit this like huge milestone. Even now just being done the coursework of a master's degree, like I'm like done school now and I haven't been done school for like the last 20 years, basically, it feels like. So now that I'm done this milestone and it's hit me like a ton of fucking bricks. Well, there's an open space in your life. Yeah. I'm stuck thinking about it more and having to process it more. I wonder also, like, I don't know why I have this feeling about you. It goes along with the the crocheted vest idea. But, like, you feel like you're very artsy to me. Like, I wonder, you're not artsy? You just feel like artsy. I look the part. Everyone used to think in high school I was, like, a visual arts student because we had an arts program in our high school. You have that. You have that RISD look. I know. I love it. I look the part, but I, oh, God, no. Well, what what kind of outlets do you have in that world? Because I feel like, you know, that it doesn't have to be art, but like, do you journal? Do you write? Do you? I journal sometimes. I do a lot of like spiritual stuff. Like I do a lot of tarot. Sometimes I do my makeup. Everything feels better when you feel nice. Yeah, that's a huge thing for me. I clean up. Like that makes me feel better too, cleaning the house. Oh, I wish that was Because I feel like the chaos in the house makes me feel out of control. But if I clean, I sometimes I'm like, all right. Well, this could be worse. The amount of shit I have on my floor right now is, like, astonishing for someone who's a, a self-proclaimed earth sign. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are the kind of processy things that I do. I do I do journal a little bit. I don't consider myself super, like, artsy or creative. I think you're, like, a pretty good photographer and also really good at doing makeup. Thank you. Since, like, 12, you could do, like, really cool makeup. <laughs> That's true, I guess. Yeah. Like, you could have a YouTube channel and I would watch it. Also, you're really good at baking. Oh, my God. That's right. I forget that I know how to bake sometimes because I'd never get to do it as often as I used to. It's my partner's birthday next week. And the only thing he ever asks for me for his birthday is a cheesecake. So, um, yeah, he Oliver, does. when you hear this, don't worry. I'm making your cheesecake. I promise. There's this book that I always give to people called The Artist's Way. And it's a 12-week workbook. And I had it on my shelf for like a decade before I did it. And one of the things I love about it is she talks about how everyone, you can be a lawyer, but you still have an artist in your soul. I think that's a really interesting way to like look for outside things. But I do also want to say I am really guilty of trying to to-do list my feelings away, right? <laughs> and like when my mom died, I was like, I had a checklist. I was like, I'm going to write. I am going to go to yoga. I am going to, and I don't fucking like yoga, but I, was, I went to yoga and it was that kind of yoga where you like lay down and like someone came and put a blanket over me after. I fucking started sobbing in yoga in the middle of Manhattan. Like, I've never been more embarrassed. Like, I was not ready to go have someone do a motherly thing over me. I was like, Jesus Christ, Robin, you're doing that thing. You're trying to move yourself through this so fast because you don't want to feel anything. And the older I get and the more I, I still will struggle with this for the rest of my life, I will always try to move through my feelings really fast. Like I'm catching myself even talking to you being like, what can we do for you? <laughs> and the reality is, is like, you just got to process this yeah. shit in whatever way happens for you. And some of it just might be time. Yeah. I think a lot of it is time. It hasn't been that long. No. 
No, it really hasn't. I got kids older than yeah. when your mom died. Yeah. And like every year, another year goes by and I'm like, fuck, that was so long ago already. But like in the grand scheme of things, no, it's not. Because when I'm her age, when uh, hopefully I'm going to be her age one day. You will definitely be her age. Yeah, I hope so. And so how the fuck is it going to feel then? Like, what the fuck? Sorry for my language, but like, that's going to be fucking crazy. Love that you said sorry and then dropped it thumb <laughs> right after that. I love that. Like, that's something that I can't even begin to wrap my brain around. I know that when I turn her age or, you know, get to close to her age when she she passed away, I think that that's going to be like another fucking crisis for me because I'm going to be like, what the fuck? Well, I'm going to say this. Don't even put yourself I know. There. Like, you're doing exactly <laughs> what I'm saying I'm doing, which is you're being like, what about that? Yeah. What about that? Just like, just be right here right now. And then we'll worry about that exactly. later. And you'll call me and we're going to be, we're still going to be in touch. And I'm going to be like, it's not happening yet. It's not, it's not time yet for you to worry <laughs> about that. Take a deep breath. You can worry about that like a year before. Yeah. You don't need to worry about that I right know, now. But here I am worried about it. But here you are worrying yeah. about that. How does your grief now differ from how it felt, you know, two years ago or three years ago? Oh, that's a really good question. See, I'm having a hard time even remembering like three years ago. I have like a really bad memory problem. I don't remember much. I think now it's... It's like, it feels deeper in my body. So I was taking this class. We would talk about like very serious things about like racial inequality, sexism, racism, et cetera, et cetera. And she would always ask us like, where, where do you feel that? Like, not how does that make you feel, but where in your body do you feel that? And that changed my fucking mind. Like that changed my world because now I know how to identify where I'm feeling things because of that one professor. She's a genius can never thank her enough for her wisdom but i think now i like feel it really deep in my chest and very deep in my stomach not to be you know a debbie downer but this is an episode about death so i apologize i mean we're definitely talking about dead people so i think that's okay Okay. we'll allow it okay thank god but it's such a deep deep guttural sadness yesterday was like so bad for me like it was so deep in my chest that it was like, how how does my body even get that deep? Does that make sense? Like, it was just such yeah. a deep, awful feeling in my stomach and in my chest. It's just, just, the sadness is, like, unfathomable sometimes. Like, I can't believe I'm this sad when I have a roof over my head. Yeah, but that's unfair. I, that's I unfair to yourself. I know that's it really is. really unfair to yourself because it's all relative. Your pain is your pain. Yeah. And it doesn't, don't fucking minimize yeah. it. I'm going to get all motherly with you, Serena. Don't you dare do that. Don't do that to yourself. Because if I was feeling sad, would you ever say that no. to me? Would you ever be like, Jesus Christ, Robin, you've got a roof no. over your head. You would never. No. But you know what I mean? Like, don't, yeah. don't, don't be mean to yourself like that. No, I know. I know. I think that I was so hyperactive and involved in things around me. Three years ago, I was finishing my my undergraduate degree. So I was like in my fourth year of university. So I'm knees deep in university work. I'm a part of like a million clubs. I'm working in residence life at my university. I have a partner. I have a million friends. I have all these things going on. So it's like, sure, it's around me. And I know that, you know, there's things like Mother's Day where I'm always sad. And like that three years ago would have made me sad anyways. But when I went to bed at night three years ago, I don't think that I was like laying down being like, fuck, it hurts. Whereas like now I'm taking a deep breath and I'm like, fuck, it hurts. (laughs) Um, But you know what? In a way, I think that's good. Because to me, that means you were off. Yeah. 
I mean, I can't stress this enough. I'm not a therapist, but it means you were not processing it. It was there whether you wanted to deal with it or not. And now you have access to it. Now you can pinpoint where it is. I always give the analogy of like when I was little, I used to like let my room go for like, I don't know, seven months and just like there'd be knee deep shit everywhere. And when I did get around to cleaning it, I'd spend hours and hours and hours. I'd turn around and it would be worse. And then all of a sudden, in like five minutes, it would be clean. Mm-hmm. And it's got to sometimes get darker before yeah. you can clean it up. Yeah. You know, there's just there's no way through it except for going through it. Exactly. And we all wish we could run around it, but oh, we can't. God. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be so great. It'd be so There'd great. There'd be no therapists, no. but it would be really great. Sorry, therapists. Those people could get other jobs. <laughs> they could be baristas. They could, they could go in education. They could. They could do other things. They could. I mean, I don't want to put you out of business, but I do. <laughs> All right, people, raise your hand if you have ever been personally exhausted by email, right? Same, friend, same. We're all so constantly inundated with email. And if you're like me, going through your inbox becomes less about responding to everything and more about just finding a way to keep tabs on the messages that really matter, you know, like the ones from the school telling me my kids are in trouble that I get all the time. Anyway, that's where SaneBox comes in. Think of it as an EMT for your email. As messages flow in, SaneBox does the triage for you, sifting only the important emails in your inbox and directing all the other distracting stuff, you know what I'm talking about, into your Sane Later folder. So you know what messages you need to pay attention to now and what stuff you can get to like, you know, like eventually after maybe a nap or I don't know, a cocktail. It also, and I I know I'm waxing poetically, but it has some very handy features like the same black hole where you can drag messages from annoying senders that you never want to hear from again. Bye, friend. Oh, and it also has sane reminders to ping you if someone hasn't replied to your email by a certain date. I mean, nothing like having to follow up on your follow-up, am I right? All right, best of all, you can use SaneBox with any email client or phone, anywhere you check your email. I mean, come on. See how SaneBox can magically remove distractions from your inbox with a free two-week trial. That's a deal. Visit SaneBox.com well today to start your trial, and you're going to get a $25 credit. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash W-E-L-L. Go ahead, folks. Get it. Hey friends, I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think you are going to like. Okay, Bill Burke is the host of the weekly podcast, Blue Sky, where he interviews individuals tackling the world's most significant challenges with hope and optimism. Sounds right up your alley, right? Exactly what we thought. All right, it's brought to you by the Optimism Institute, which was also founded by Bill to sprinkle a bit of positivity on your view of the future, especially with the media often showing us just the gloomier side of things. On Blue Sky, you're going to hear optimism about topics on everything from climate change and AI to homelessness and immigration and more, and they're offering diverse perspectives. You're going to finish each episode feeling brighter about the world and optimistic about our collective future. 
The name Blue Sky, well, it's inspired by a meditation prompt symbolizing the idea that beyond the clouds, there's always blue sky, encouraging a broader perspective. The Blue Sky Podcast is available for listening on all major podcast platforms, inviting everyone to look beyond the clouds and embrace a more hopeful view of the future. I'll tell you what, I'll be listening. I think that you having access to where it is is wonderful. Yeah. Maybe there's some body work you could do, too. Again, I'm to-do listing, but maybe there's some body work to be done. I think maybe because when, like I said, I, I learned that in a class in grad school, and I only learned that last month. I remember thinking to myself, this is better than any therapy session that I've ever had. Yeah. And it's a fucking class that I paid $6,000 for or something. So maybe it's time to <laughs> to look into different forms of therapy that will work better for me. Because I feel like I do talk therapy with my girlfriends anyways. So I don't know if it was ever super productive for me. Learning how you feel and how your body feels when you move through emotions was mind-blowing to me. And kind of sort of a breakthrough. Well, at your age, you probably just like clamped all your shit down and just locked it up. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. First of all, I do want to say, Serena, I'm obsessed with you and I love you. I love you. I think something that's really interesting about you in a shitty way is like you legitimately have like no support system, but have entirely made your own. Like our family is hella Catholic, hella shitty, but like sweep everything under the rug and then like don't process anything. But I'm bringing that up because I think Robin has had a shitty family in some regards and has built her own system around that. So Serena, I kind of wanted you to talk about how you did that. I have two childhood best friends, Heather and Lindsay, and I literally probably would not have survived without them. Lindsay is my rock, truly. I am so grateful for her. But Heather has an incredible mom, and she was sort of like a second mom to me when, when yeah. things happened. And she always made it like very clear that like, you know, if you ever just want to spend the night or you need anything, Aww. please don't have hesitate to like, just just come, like just come because she lived around the corner. And did you? I did sometimes. Yeah, I did. Because it was sometimes it just got kind of unbearable. I do feel like the universe gives you what you need sometimes. It does. It does. It, it may not it, be what no. you want. Nope. Definitely not. Would have preferred my own mother. Sure. But... Sure. <laughs> you wouldn't have but preferred the... <laughs> my mother. And she's, she would think that's funny. <laughs> She would think that's funny. So I can say that. Uh, yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I, I was I was lucky when when she passed away that I had friends around me with really cool families and cool moms who, you know, swooped in and helped me out and made me feel better. And like yeah. also my nonna, my dad's mom, I spent a lot of time with her after it happened. And she always had my back. Like she always defended me against my dad. Um and she isn't chosen family, of course. Like, that's my yeah. literal grandmother. Yeah. But I didn't talk about things with my grandmother because, like Steph said, like, our family is very much, like, sweep it under the rug, never talk about it. But at least, like, she would... She filled a hole that was yes. there and you needed it. Yeah. And she was, in her own way, incredibly supportive. I don't really have a huge support system. I had, like, my two childhood best friends and their families, and they were incredible. And then now my current partner, Oliver, he's super supportive and he's very helpful. And I just went on a basically like a family trip with his family. And it was so nice. It was, I can't, I cannot begin to say how nice it was to go 
and travel and vacation with like a family who is just like chill, normal, like, nor- yeah. like comfortable. If there is such a thing. I found myself like worrying because we were going to this like wedding. In my head, I was like, I have to look incredible. And so I was all freaking stressed out. And Oliver was like, listen, I know you're used to your family constantly commenting on what you look like and, and your appearance and things like that. But like that shit doesn't matter here. Literally, whatever you're physically comfortable in, please wear it. And if that Aww. means a dress and heels, that means a dress and heels. But if that means gym shorts and a t-shirt, like nobody's going to bat an eye because what's most important is your comfortability. And I was like, damn, bro, no one's ever said that to me before. He sounds fucking delightful. Yeah, he kind of pissed me off yesterday, but I do love him. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> just it's called relationships. And I, I think sometimes like about that saying, like, God doesn't give you, and I'm not even necessarily a God person, but like, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. And it's like, I, I've flipped that and made it be like, I'm fucking strong. Like, I got a lot of shit was handed to me, but I'm strong because of it. Yeah. And, and you are too. But just because you're strong doesn't mean you have to be strong all the time. And I think sometimes like the universe or whoever the hell you believe in will put something in place for you to take some of that burden. And it sounds like you found some of that. You know, I think that's fabulous. Yeah. Me too. The people in my life that support me are just, you know, the best and I adore them. So I'm very grateful for my chosen family. It's been so hard, but it's also been really lovely to have people who, you know, tell me that they're proud of me and no matter what I do or or how well I do in something or whatever, it's it's nice to know that those people have my back. That's a gift. I feel very lucky. I'm so glad that you that you are in a place where you can share and that you did share it with us because it's like a really vulnerable thing and it's a real part of who you are and I'm honored that you chose to share it with us. Thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm happy to share because I think that when it all happened to me, I was like, how am I going to move on? Like, I didn't know anybody who was in my circumstance. I didn't, you know, no one ever talked about it. No one, I didn't know anybody who'd gone through it. So I feel like anybody who's listening, if you're going through this, you have kids, talk to them. Please, God, please. Please. I know it's hard for you, but like, talk to them. Yeah. Is there anything that you do or like any time that you've had that you feel extra connected to your mama? Yes, definitely. There's definitely moments where I'm like, oh, mom would rock with this or this reminds me of mom. So this is my mom's diamonds on here from her wedding and engagement ring. And then I wear a ring from my mom that's I call it a forget me not because that's what she called it. She got it from her mom and it's Danish sterling silver. My mom was was Danish. Like I like this is what makes me feel like she's with me. My amazing psychic told me that birds, doves, are or like in the pigeon family or part of the dove family, she told me, that's your mom talking to you. And so every time I walk by the window, because I have like pigeons that are just sitting there. And when I walk by, I always go, hi, mom. And then I just keep walking. I'm like, hey, mom, what's up? So and I just assume she's with me. I love that because I love pigeons and I love rats. I love like... Rosie is a pigeon somewhere. I love it. And again, whether it's true or not, if it makes me feel nice, it makes me feel connected to my mom in the best possible way. Yeah. Who gives a fuck? That's right. That's right. Who cares? Last question. What keeps you going and what brings you joy these days? What keeps me going is knowing that I want to live like she wanted me to. Like she she was so adamant that I like, for example, like lived at university when I went to university and had fun on the weekends. She was like, you're not sitting on that couch. We're going out and we're doing things like she was a very go, 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 very active person. And so what keeps me going is knowing that like she would have liked to have seen me 
do everything that I've ever wanted to do because there were so many things that she never got to do and she regretted it. And she always talked about that. And so that keeps me going because I know that whether or not she's actually looking over me and whether or not spirits are real or whatever, who cares? I feel like it is, or I feel like she's watching me and I want her to, I don't know, like watch a cool coming of age movie where the protagonist like has a good happy ending or something. Well, and then just like in a cool coming of age movie, I hope there's a handoff where it goes from you wanting to show her that you did it to you wanting to do it for you. Yeah. And then she's looking on from her patchwork quilt. Yes, vest. exactly. <laughs> and under the vest is your t-shirt. Yes. That says my mom died. That, and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we just solved it. I think so. I feel like we handled it. And I don't even think we need an expert to come <laughs> to the end because I think we just did it. We did this thing. I want to be able to enjoy my 20s my 30s my 40s my 50s and And but yeah and i want to celebrate her too and it's you can't i i can't stop because she's gone as much as i want to sometimes she put me here and i guess i'll make the best of it i feel like that's about as optimistic as you're gonna get today (laughs) and i think that's okay it's a great place to be i've been trying to to be a little bit more optimistic but it's been it's been a little bit bleak lately but we're working on it we're doing our best and i know that she would be super super proud of me of what i've done and that keeps me going that brings me joy there's so many just parallels of like lightness and darkness and and all of that in your story and it's just i i hope that having had a, a conversation might even bring some more lightness to you like maybe you released a little something just in talking Because I find that that happens for me. I I mean, I don't want to put that on you, but it does happen for me. It happens to me, too, because, like, I don't know, you'll have these service level conversations about it, about, like, oh, how are you? You know, yada, yada, yada. But, like, you don't forget the chance to, like, talk about where does that make you feel unless you pay someone $150 an hour to talk about that. Which You ain't got to pay me nothing. uh, That's (laughs) the beauty. That's the beauty. Um, It's been good. It's been good to be able to talk about it, too, lately. Well, the mom and me is going to say, before we say goodbye and thank you, the mom and me is going to say, keep being kind to yourself because you deserve it. Thank you. Thank you. I'll try my best. And the non-mom and me, but person who loves you is going to tell you that I don't know a single person that's met you that isn't super proud of you and where you've gotten yourself. Don't make me cry. Um, It's nice to be able to talk about it, but also approach it from a place that's like not super serious it doesn't have to be so serious and you're going to help a lot of people just having this conversation i I really do believe it thank you no thank you thank you thank you you. that's what i have to say thank you no thank you thank you (laughs) thank you (laughs) and by the way by the way by the way by the way and by the way in today's episode we talked a lot about building a family that doesn't have to be actual family chosen family I, for instance, am a fan of stealing the nice and normal families of all of my friends. But there's loads of ways to do it. It all starts with awareness. Look around your life for good people, then be open to them. As Paul McCartney and his little band Wings would say, open the door and let him in. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Let him in. Yeah. All right, folks, it is that time where we get some advice from someone else. And I think that's welcome. Today, we have Patricia, also known as my therapist, and she is coming in to talk about how to process grief. I think that talk therapy around grief is really important. And there are grief groups. 
Some people don't like them because everybody's talking about their grief, but that's, that is a place to go to talk and to hear and to listen. I think that there are also Reiki and therapy. That's the therapy where the person is trained. It's a kind of a Freudian body thing to see where you're holding your body armor, and then they go for that. They get you to feel your body armor, and then they work systematically at taking it apart so that you actually feel what's underneath your body armor. Grief is something we can feel in our bodies, very much so. It's also not the norm to feel stuff like that. So it's either it can be a sign of deep processing. It could also be a sign of dissociation, like, well, I, you know, I'm not angry at all, but, uh, you know, I have irritable bowel syndrome or something. Or, you know, things are fine in my life, but I get migraines. So, well, there are some disowned emotions that are getting lodged into the body. So you have to kind of figure that out. But here's the thing about grief. Grief can be regular grief, in which case you will get over the grief within a certain period of time. Not that you'll forget the person or stop loving the person or not feel the loss, but you it won't be so exhausting and draining and depressing. And that should happen, you know, I, I can't really say how long. I, they used to say a year. I've worked with people for as long as five or six years where it's taken that long to really move on from grief. The longer it takes, the more it points to something called complicated grief. Now, in complicated grief, it's a complicated theory of grief, but part of the parts of grieving are at a certain point, you, you kind of feel yourself letting go of the inner structure of the person that you've been clinging to or holding on to who's been a part of you even. You can release them and feel them going away. Not that they're gone, not that you don't have a memory, not that you can't find them if you look for them, but they're not the center of your focus and awareness after a certain period of time. If they remain at your center of awareness after a period of time, if something is exhausting and draining and depressing for eight years, there's more there. What more could be there? There's more complexity to the relationship. And often what it is, is that I can't let them go. It's because part of me is in them. I have projected part of myself into them, and I can't let go of that. Talking helps. Talking reduces the impact of trauma. Oh, amazing, amazing words from Patricia. And I do want to say Patricia also said, I would like you to realize that you create your own lives. No one else has the right answer for you, and no one else has that responsibility. You have both the responsibility and the privilege or the right to make your own choices and to learn your own lessons in this lifetime. Woo, and that is why she is the expert. Okay, folks, that is it for today. But before we go, I want to say so many thanks to Serena for sharing her story with us. I laughed, I cried. It was just an incredible conversation. For more Robin, and you may need that, you probably don't need it, but like if you do, you can follow me at Real Rob Hops on all the platforms, all the socials, as the kids today say. 
While Adjusting is an Edit Audio original, exec produced by Steph Colburn and Robin Hopkins. Thank you to Maria Passingham, Kathleen Speckert, and the whole Edit Audio team. Oh, hey, before you take out those AirPods, this show is just for entertainment. If you are in need of help, please, please, please reach out to a professional. Go ahead and get that help. You deserve it.